0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon, and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, well, good evening. Good to see you tonight. Sure, I'm excited to be back here in Elk Point. What a blessing. So thankful for where God has put me. Now, still, you know, it's funny when you go back especially a conference like I was in, it was a, such a blessing, got so so much encouragement in so many ways, but it's uh, funny, you know, there's people from all over the country at this uh, conference, and, uh, you know, the, the reaction, you know, when, you know, oh, you, where do you pastor at? South Dakota. Oh. <laughs> and it's almost like a lot of people would almost immediately lose interest. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. Uh, but, uh, but it is, uh, it is a blessing uh, to be where the Lord has called me to be. And uh, I believe if you're here, it's because God's called you to be here as well. And you may be across an aisle or whichever way. But I believe, I believe with all of my heart, folks, I believe that we are here for such a time as this. I believe that God has placed us on this earth. It's no accident uh, to make a difference in our generation, uh, for God to work through our lives and let him do his will and it's it's together that we are able to accomplish this work it's together that we uh, do this you know i was thinking about christian and talking about struggling this week you know sometimes man you can kind of feel like you're on your own you can almost fit sometimes you can feel like you're the only one struggling but if you look around you'll find out that we're all struggling we all have our battles and sometimes it's worse than others but that's where that's one reason why when i talk about being real one of the things we're saying about that is just that uh, that we're not going around acting like super saints you know, they never have any difficulties, never have any problems, never have any temptations, uh, never have any struggles of that, of that nature. So that's where we can just be saying, you know what, pray for me. <laughs> I'm having a tough time. And we can say, all right, you pray for me and I'll pray for you. And together, uh, God undergirds us with his strength. And helps us. Uh, well, in Ephesians chapter number 6, and we've been through chapter number 5, uh, it's kind of, there's obviously a continuation here of, ch- of the thoughts of chapter number 5. And this is one of the ways that God has chosen to be able to work through our hearts and lives and be able to make a difference. And that's through the home. That's through the home. God has ordained the home. Uh, He ordained the home, of course, before He ordained the church. And remember, uh, the the only thing left over from paradise, from the Garden of Eden, the only thing left over as far as the paradise aspect of that, because everything else has uh, been touched by the curse, but the home, God established the home in the Garden of Eden. And listen, I'm glad our homes can still be a paradise. But I'll tell you one thing. The snake's always trying to get in, isn't he? Uh, That's for sure. But I'm glad tonight also that God, God, the one who established the home, has left us an instruction book on the home. And folks, if we will follow the precepts of this book, one of the challenges of the Bible is that these precepts are often simple. They're often simple as far as understanding them, as far as what we ought to do, but then the challenge is putting them into practice, putting them into what D.L. Moody called shoe-leather Christianity. And this is certainly one of those. Before I read chapter 6, verse 1, I just want to go back and read verse number 18 because this is, this is the, the, the cornerstone of all this. The Bible says in chapter 5, verse 18, "...and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit." So it talks about, first of all, being filled with the Spirit of God. So number one, uh, if... We are to be what God would have us to be, I'll tell you this tonight, it is God's will for you to be saved and know Christ as your Savior. And I'm so glad that I I know Him today, aren't you? But if you don't know Him, I'm glad I could introduce you to Him tonight. Uh, You can know the Lord tonight. So, number one, you're saved by God's grace. When you're saved, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence, moves on the inside, we're baptized into Christ, uh, and we become a part of Christ. Uh, But there's a difference between the Holy Spirit indwelling us. The Holy Spirit of God indwells every Christian. And we're never commanded to be baptized in the Spirit because that happens at the moment of salvation. Uh, We're never told to possess the Spirit as God's people because if you're saved, the Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 8, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, you don't belong to Christ. If you do belong to Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. But, so, but the Bible does command us to be filled with the Spirit. And what's the idea behind that word filled? What's, it, what's the idea? We, we use the illustration of a cup and all that, and, and that's okay. But there's a, a greater meaning behind that word filled. The Bible talks about people being filled with anger. That's right, they were controlled. They were filled with Envy. And so then what did they do? They went about to uh, you know, deliver Jesus to be crucified. People were filled, therefore they were controlled by that which was filling them. And so to be filled with the Spirit carries the idea of being controlled by the Spirit of God. And so this is, this is something he deals first of all with us as individual Christians. Because folks, it's got to start there. Is there anybody in here that wants to be all that God wants them to be? Right. I mean, is there when, you know, when I look around and we think about the home, I mean, are there there any dads that want to be all that God would have them to be as a father and as a husband, uh, even even as an employee, whatever the case may be? Any moms that way? I hope I hope you young people are just saying, man, I want to be what God wants me to be. God has designed me just me. There's nobody else like me in the world. God has designed you uh, to be something for him. And I hope that you have a willingness and a desire to do that. And so, but where it starts is that we surrender to the Lord and say, okay, God, I want to do what you would have me to do. And then it goes on to dealing with wives and husbands, and we've dealt with that. And then chapter number six begins with children, children. If you're not a child tonight, well, I guess we're all, we're all somebody's child, aren't we? But it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? That's a favorite question of kids, isn't it? For this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Honor thy father and mother that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to your masters. And I'm going to stop right there because we are not going to get to verse number 5 tonight. And so as we look at this, it seems no matter where we look in modern society, we see antagonism, division, and rebellion. Not just within the home, but throughout our society. Uh, Husbands and wives are divorcing one another at an alarming rate. Uh, Children are rebelling against their parents Employers and employees are seeking for new ways to avoid uh, conflict and strikes to keep the machining industry running. Uh, you know, we've we tried education. There's legislation. I believe in education. I believe in legislation. Uh, but there's all these other approaches that society tries. But folks, I want to tell you something tonight. What we really need is regeneration. Regeneration. And regeneration, that's, that's to say this, we need the new birth. The Bible says you must be born again. We need regeneration. That's what's going to really make a difference. A new heart. A new heart. Because, folks, the way we really serve the Lord is from our heart. Amen. That's where the problem... We've, you've, it's, it's been said before, and it's kind of cliché, but I think it's such a true saying that at, at the heart of every problem is a problem with the heart. And so that's what people really need is a new heart. We can, we can win many intellectual debates... Uh, we can win arguments, uh, you know, but if, you, if you've ever studied anything about debate, sometimes you win a debate. You don't even have to be right to win a debate, but it, part of it is putting that other person to shame. You know, part of it is, is, is kind of wanting to see that person with their tail between their legs heading the other way. That ought not be the child of God's objective. Our objective ought to be to lead people to Christ because they need a new heart. And so... As American Christians, we've got to remember that while we need to be active and, uh, you know, we need to vote, we need to to voice our opinion, we need to voice truth. We need to remember that at the heart of this thing is that people need to be saved. People need a change of heart. They need a new heart. And not only do they need a change of heart, but they also need a change of heart and a new submission to Christ. So a new heart from God and a new submission to Christ and to one another. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, so going back to the beginning of this book, says how that it's God's program to gather together in one all things in Christ. Paul uh, indicated that this spiritual harmony begins in the lives of Christians who are submitted to the lordship of Christ. Now, what's it mean, the lordship of Christ? He is our Lord and Savior. But one of the things that we uh, know is that if He's our Lord, that means He's the one in charge. That means we do what He says. And uh, you know, one of my as I say that, I can't help but remember Simon Peter when uh, he when Jesus spoke to Simon and said, "Here's what I'm going to do." And then uh, Simon Peter speaks up and says, Not so, Lord. Yeah. In other words, no, Lord. Those don't go together. Uh, I mean, if He's Lord, it's yes, Lord. It's yes, Lord, because He knows, doesn't He? And so, in this section, there's, uh, there's a couple groups that we're going to address tonight. Number one, we're going to address uh, Christian children. Number two, we're going to try to address fathers as well. And so, verses 1 through, th- through 3... Now, again, we'll see children obey your parents and the Lord. Uh, Paul, This is interesting, isn't it? I like this. Paul did not tell the parents to go home and tell their kids to obey their parents and the Lord. I like it that Paul was speaking directly to the children. You know, we live in a time, man, I tell you, we expect oftentimes way too little out of our children today. It's interesting. You know, we're celebrating the 4th of July. You go back and I I love studying early American history and it's amazing how young uh, folks would be, how young people would be when they had excel. I'm talking about 13, 14 years old. Uh, I mean, being fluent in Greek, uh, Latin, uh, maybe another language or two, being able to get into Harvard University. John Quincy Adams, I think at the age of 13, was was an assistant to a diplomat. I think by the age of 14, he was an ambassador over in Europe. I mean, uh, listen, he, he, he was in public service his whole life and uh, we, we look at all these different uh, men and, and, and I'm telling you one thing, you go back and study the education standards of that day and uh, it was not that there was a lower standard by any means. Uh, I mean, but they excelled. They excelled in education, they excelled as men. And I think too often times we try to keep, teach kids, man, we live in a time, is it not true that we have like 30 year old, 10 year olds or something? In the day and age which we live, I mean, and I, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's like, uh, but 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 people are uh, There's the expectations. Oftentimes, are too low. Paul spoke to the kids. He said, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord." God spoke speaks directly to you. I believe this with all my heart. The young people in this church, the young people in general, are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. I mean, your service for Christ is right now. Not when you get older. What's that about? Do something for God right now. Remember now, thy Creator, in the days of thy youth. Thank God. God speaks to you. Seek Him. Because I'll tell you one thing tonight. He's seeking you. Think about that. I mean, it looks like most of the younger people are on this side, so I'll step over here and say, think about that, young folks. The God of the universe. The one that spoke the universe into existence. The one who, by his word, uh, it consists, it's, it's held together. That great and mighty God made you. That great and mighty God created you with a purpose. And he is seeking after you. He wants to do something in your heart, and he wants to do something in your life. He is speaking to you. This Bible is for you. Right. And I know we don't send as many letters as we used to send, uh, but I still, isn't it nice every once in a while to get something that's addressed to you? You know, nowadays they're tricky. You know, you'll get stuff in the mail that looks like a check. I'm like, hot dog, wonder what this is going to be. You know, and of course it's just some bogus offer. Uh, But man, it's nice every once in a while to get something that's actually personal, straight to me. Uh, You know, and, and you know, I don't know, you know, where that would be too equivalent but what I'm saying is this, God speaks directly to you. He's got a letter just for you. He's got the Bible, and that goes for each of us. But it's cool that God right here speaks to the young people. He speaks straight to them. Children, He says, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So again, He speaks right to them, right in this assembly. Uh, you know, and of course, it's, there's an assumption here that, number one, there were kids in the congregation to where Paul was preaching. And that so Christian families would attend public worship together just like we do today. And no doubt that the parents explained the word of God to the children when they came home. Uh, he gave them four reasons why they should obey their parents. So if you're a young person here tonight, you're still at home. There's four reasons you should obey your parents. Exciting, all (laughs) right. Four reasons you should obey your parents. Well, notice the first thing here. uh, This doesn't just go for Christian parents, but if your parents are Christians, it's even a better reason. The Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. Now, in this situation, uh, there's, for those that have Christian parents, this argument, of course, is the theme of the entire section, and that is in Christ. When a person becomes a Christian, he's not released from normal obligations. Let me back up there. It's not only the parents being Christians. But if you as a young person are a Christian, you need to obey the Lord. You need to obey your parents by... You you follow the Lord, you honor the Lord by obeying your parents. Sometimes people think when they become a Christian, they get released from the normal obligations of life. If anything, in his faith in Christ ought to make him better. So if you're a Christian, you ought to be better in the home, not worse. Uh, and I say that, this kind of would go to the next section about verse 6 uh, and so forth about the way we are as workers. But I used to work with a fellow. Well, I used to go to a church with this guy, and I worked with him. And man, I'm telling you, if there was a lazy person, it was this guy. I mean, he would do... You, know, you ever known people that worked harder to get out of work? Uh, I mean, it's just like, you look at it, and it's just like, dude... It was so much harder for you to avoid and get around all this than it was just for you to do what you were supposed to do. And this guy, I think he would use more energy in a shift to get out of work than he would to actually work. Uh, and, but here's the thing about the guy. He, he was a preacher. He was always going around witnessing to everybody. God bless him. That's wonderful. But I'm telling you, he was trifling. I mean, and it's just like, come on, man. But his whole thing was, he, I guess he was a Christian, you know, and he, was a, and he did not feel like he had to be under the same rules as everybody else. You know, and you know, I'm going around here witnessing, I'm doing the Lord's work. I'm like, buddy, people aren't listening to you too much when they're having to pick up your slackness. Amen. Okay, so, uh, but it's the same way, so, so as, a, as a young person in the home... It does, being a Christian doesn't mean you are released from these rules. It means that you ought to be uh, even more so. Uh, it, this is cool. the, 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 to the Colossians, Colossians and uh, Ephesians kind of go hand in hand. To the Colossians, Paul enforced his admonition. Here's what he says when he talks about children obeying your parents the Lord. Colossians 3 verse 20. The Bible says, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. That's a good motivation. Do you want to please God? Obey your parents. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, so, so the harmony in the home that God has here, beginning in chapter 5, going into verse number 6. So the first thing he says is if you are saved, if you're a Christian, obey your parents. Do what your parents say to do. But then he goes on to say this, for it is right. For this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. There's an, there's an order in nature ordained of God that argues for the righteousness of an action. Since the parents brought the child into the world, they can bring you out of the world. No, that's not what I was going to say. Uh, Since the child brought the children into the, the world, they have more knowledge and wisdom. Hold on, young people. I hope you'll say amen. But your parents have more knowledge and more wisdom than you do. And if you don't know that now, you'll know it in a few years. Uh, you'll start figuring it out that your parents weren't quite as stupid as you may think they are sometimes. Uh, even, I mean, you know, we see it in nature. Even young animals are taught to obey. Uh, the, the modern version, the modernistic version of Ephesians 6.1 would say, Parents, obey your children, for this will keep them happy and bring peace to the home. But that's not right, is it? But we live in that time, don't we? I mean, uh, it's, it's amazing, you know, to see parents, parents. I've seen parents that are just so submissive to their kids. And I don't care if they're this high. They do what they say. I mean, and I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? You are not helping this kid out whatsoever. Because what's going to happen? We've got school teachers in here. What's going to happen when that kid comes to school and says, Hey, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm not going to do. Well, it's not going to go over too well. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm looking at Kurt back there. I guess there's, you're limited on what you can do about it. But I'll tell you one thing, you're not helping that kid. That kid's not going to be able to get the education that they need. They're not going to be able to get the help they need. And so, But that's what happens. What happens, and this is where we're at, what happens when you get to the job and the boss says, hey, go do this or that. I don't want to do this or that. And it's just, it's just a shame. And so uh, it, so the, the Bible says children obey your parents in the Lord. So that's one reason. For this is right is the second reason. The third reason is that obedience is commanded. Uh, how many of you kids love it when your parents give the answer to your question? Because I said so. Now that may not carry as much weight as this does because God said so. Children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Right? Um, And notice what he goes on to say here in verse number 2. The Bible says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Honor thy father and mother. Anybody know which of the Ten Commandments Paul is citing right there? I haven't heard it yet. Five. That's the fifth commandment. Uh, I knew after ten chances somebody would get it. Amen. Uh, So it's the fifth commandment commandment. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, it, but, but it's cool because God, the Lord takes that out of the Old Testament and applies it to the New Testament believer. And so the, the Holy Spirit enables us to practice the righteousness, uh, God's righteousness in our daily lives. By the way, coincidentally, not coincidentally, but uh, divinely, I suppose we should say, all of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament epistles except for one. Anybody want to guess which one is not repeated in the New Testament epistles? Remember the Sabbath day. That's correct. Uh, and so, uh, but 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 it's uh, it's just as wrong in the New Testament for Christians to dishonor their parents as it was in the Old Testament. Now, I do want to say this. There is a difference between honor and obey. And it says obey your parents and the Lord, but then it goes on to say honor your parents. Now, you know, I, I, I often think about this story about a, a mom that was getting on to her little girl and... She was uh, you know, kind of throwing a fit. Not, She wasn't getting her way, so she was demanding to have her way. And uh, her mom finally looked at her and said, You sit down on that chair right now. You sit down. I don't want to sit down. You sit down right now. So finally her mom was scary enough to where she sat down, and the little girl sat there with her arms crossed, and she said, Well, I'm still standing on the inside. I'm still standing on the inside. See, And you can obey and still be standing on the inside. But honor goes beyond that. I'll tell you something else. Honor goes from these kids that are at home to all of us. We can honor our parents as long as they live. We can honor our parents after they are gone. And we are to do that. So that's not just talking to children there. But I thought, so to honor our parents means much more than simply to obey them. It means to show them respect and love, to care for them as long as they need us, and to seek to bring honor to them by the way that we live. So you can honor your parents their whole life. I hope my kids honor me their whole life. Uh, we, uh, I go to the nursing home once a month, and, and it's not uncommon for me to come back, and one of the kids asked me, Dad, did you pick a room out? Uh, did you find a room? <laughs> I'm like, I'm moving in with you, by golly, uh, when that, when that time comes. But anyway, uh, not, but no, I mean, uh, honoring your parents. But I always thought this is, a, this is a good thing to remember. And by the way, if you're here and you're... You may be here today as a young person and say, well, my parents aren't saved. Do I really need to obey them? Do I really need to honor them? Even more so. Even more so. Uh, I mean, so in other words... You know, think about it. Think about it this way. To honor them, see, and there's a good saying that I've mentioned many times, but it says that to obey, the attitude of obedience says, I'll do it because you require it. I will do it because you require it. That's obedience. And that's commendable. But honor says, I'll do it because you desire it. I'll do it because you desire it. Let me tell you something. Young person, do not do the least that you have to do. Don't do the least possible. Go the extra mile. Do more. I'm going to use the preacher that preached for us on Sunday. I appreciate Chad Springer filling in for me. uh, But I remember him telling this. And boy, it it, it reminded me of some kids that I know. That... uh, You don't know the kids. You may know the kids. But anyway, uh, but no, he said, he talked about his dad saying, Chad, it's your job. The trash is running over. You know, this is one of the, by the way, this is another illustration of honor. You didn't tell me to take it out. Kids, you're not idiots. Don't act like idiots. Okay? Don't act like idiots. It's running Take it out. Does it need to go out? Take it out. Does the floor need sweat? Sweep it. Right? I mean, just, just do it. But anyway, so getting back to Chad here. Uh, Ch- Chad, uh, he, so his dad says, Chad, take the trash out. He's a, he's a younger teenager at home, I suppose, at this time. You need to take the trash outside. You know what he does? He takes it out, throws it out the door. Did he o- obey his parent? He took the trash out. Anybody? Anybody can identify with that? Any of you young people identify with that? Doing these little things like that? Oh, well, you didn't say put it in the, you know, in the dumpster or whatever. You, you know, what's your problem? <laughs> Give me a break. Uh, no, I mean, so honor goes beyond just doing the bare minimum. Honor just goes beyond, uh, and I'm not slapping no kid right there, okay? Not, I'm not, <laughs> that, that looks bad. Uh, <laughs> Yeah right. So uh, I don't want to instruct you wrong on that, but what I'm saying is, come on, you know, uh, g- give me a break here now. So so obedience is a command that goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments, and honor does as well. So so why do you need to obey your parents? Number one, you're, if you're if you're a Christian, the Bible says do it in the Lord uh, because it's right, and then also because it's commanded, and then also because it brings blessing. One, listen. God is not some. God is not just some creator up in heaven that just sits around and thinks of arbitrary rules to bring down on us. Yeah. Now I wonder what other rule. I mean, He's not. You know, he's not Congress or something, you know. Uh, I mean, he's not just trying to think of some more laws or some more rules to try to impose on us. No, he's a God in heaven, it says, and that knows the best. He knows what's right. And if he's saying, this is what I want you to do, here's what I want you to avoid doing, I'm telling you, you are, that, that goes back to the Garden of Eden. Eve thought for sure, she believed the lie of Satan, that God's keeping something good from you. God didn't say, keep, Don't eat the fruit because it's so good and I just don't want to see you enjoy life. He said, Don't eat that fruit because if you do, there will be consequences. There will be consequences. And yes, that fruit may have tasted good to start with, but I want to tell you something. It didn't look, look where we're all at now. That's how sin is. Somebody says, No, this was enjoyable, but for how long? But for how long was it enjoyable? I'm telling you, it's not for long. And it may be for a season. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. But it runs out. And folks, that season doesn't last long. I think I often think about this when I talk about these things about honoring God. This goes back to your youth. It goes to all of us. But one thing's for sure, folks. The devil doesn't have happy old people. And as a young person, you're not thinking about being an old person right now. Um, and and us young people, right? Cool kids, you know, hip. <laughs> yep. I'm down with you guys, right? I know y'all look at me like one of y'all and everything. So. But now as a young person, you're not thinking about being old. But there's something to learn about that. God has some happy old folks. Amen. He really does. He has joyful old people. Go find the devil's old people. They're not happy. They're miserable, they're cranky, they're mean. Why? Because at some point in their life, they chose to have this much pleasure and then they've lived the rest of their lives out in misery. Not to mention the fact that sin often leads to uh, death. I mean, it ultimately leads to death, but it can lead to a premature death. Obedience brings blessing. The fifth commandment has a promise given to it. He said, uh, honor thy father and mother, uh, which is the first commandment with promise. There's a promise attached to that commandment. Uh, And by the way, it's interesting that the promise originally applied to the Jews as they entered Canaan. But Paul applied it to us today. And he substituted the word earth for land. And he tells us that the Christian child who honors his parents can expect two blessings. That it may be well with thee. Verse number three. See what it says there? That it may be well with thee. Why does God tell you to do something? Because he wants it to be well with you. One thing I can always promise you about God. Not only is he not just up in heaven making arbitrary rules. Just to lay down some new rules on somebody. He's not doing that he's leading giving these to us because he loves loves us and I tell you something else he's doing the everything God does God wants to bless you. He really really wants to bless you but if you do not walk in the path of blessing God cannot bless you. I mean, you know, we talked about it the other week. We were talking about the home and how that oftentimes we, are, we, we, we hold our jars up to God and our lives are like these jars and we're saying, God, fill it up. But the only problem is our disobedience and our sin has a lid on that jar. And so we're saying, God, fill it up. But we can't, He can't fill it up because our disobedience has got a lid on there. We need to open that, take that off and say, okay, God, bless me. Because God wants to bless you he wants to bless you, but I'm telling you, he can't bless us if we're walking contrary to his will. It just doesn't work that way. And so the Lord wants to bless us. He and he has two blessings. Number one, he said that it may be well with you. He wants it to be well with you, and that he might live long on the earth. Now that doesn't mean that people don't die young, that don't uh, that that uh, that honor their parents. But what it's talking about is this. There's an idea there that there's a principle that when children obey their parents and the Lord, they will escape a good deal of sin and danger and thus avoid things that could threaten or shorten their lives. But life is not measured only by quantity of time, but it's measured by the quality of the experience. God enriches the life of the obedient child no matter how long he may live on this earth. Sin always robs us, and obedience always enriches us. God wants to bless you. I think about this. Here's a good example. This this may not have been a life or death situation. But, but children, obey your parents in the Lord, honor your... Here's a good example of what that means. It doesn't just mean, well, I was good to my parents, so I'm going to live forever. No, it just means you're going to walk in a wise way, more than likely, and therefore live a joyful life, whatever. Not, it doesn't always have to be quantity as much as quality in this life. But we were in the Badlands, uh, was that in the fall? The yeah, October. We were in the Badlands in October. Uh, and so, uh, man, we, we, were, we were hiking around and man, enjoying ourselves and... We, we went and there was, I think we'd already maybe seen a snake or two. There were several people that said they'd seen uh, rattlesnakes out there. And so we're like, well, we better be careful, better stay away from some of the brush and whatever. They're moving, you know, it's that time of year to where if it's cooler, they might have still been dinned up a little bit. But they it, it was warmer, so they were probably coming out to get some sun. Uh, long story short, Natalie is ahead of us as we're heading back to uh, the truck. And so Natalie's ahead of us and skipping and being Natalie and all that stuff, you know. And then as she's going down the path, uh, Melanie is right behind Behind her and Melanie says, Natalie, stop! You know what Natalie did? She stopped. And it's a good thing she stopped because she was within a few feet of jumping right on a rattlesnake that was coiled up right in the middle of her path. Stop! She stopped. See, children, obey your parents and the Lord that your days may be long on the earth. See, that's kind of an example of that. And I'm glad that she did. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, that reminds me of another illustration that also involves snakes. I mean, how many people love snakes here tonight? All right. Uh, so, uh, but it reminds me of another illustration. There was a, a pastor went to go visit a missionary on the field. By the way, my wife will handle snakes. Amen. This will be on the podcast. So We're not snake handlers, but she, she, she sees them and she just picks them right up. And she's down there being a knucklehead with that snake after uh, after we stopped and got it and everything. But anyway, it's a wonder she didn't get bit. But anyway, alright, I shouldn't have told that on her. But, what I'm saying is, a pastor went and visited a missionary over in Africa. And on that visit, uh, he noticed that, he, that that missionary was pretty strict with his kids. His That missionary was pretty strict with his kids. And he just says, oh man... And, and it kind of was eating at him, eating at him. And finally, they're sitting outside one day, and uh, sitting right outside of their 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 home. And he's like, he's like, brother, he said, I, I appreciate the work you're doing here. He said, but I'm so concerned about your kids. He said, you've already taken them from the, comfort, the comforts of America. You've moved them to a new culture. This is all, I mean, this is all going to be a tough transition for them. And to me, it just feels like you're being a little strict on your kids. Right in the midst of this conversation, that pastor's son is sitting over here by a tree. And out of this tree, there's climbing a green mamba out of this tree. That pastor, or that missionary, right in the midst of this conversation, looks over at his boy, calls his boy's name, and says, Son, come here right now. That boy got up and came to his dad right now. And that pastor got a lesson right there. You know what? Maybe it's not so bad. To be a little strict. Maybe it's not so bad that we teach our kids to listen. Maybe it's not so bad that our parents that, that our kids know... Did I say something backwards? But maybe it's not so bad when our kids know that when we say something, we mean it. We mean it. And here's one of the greatest reasons for that. And the Bible and the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about this. But it talks about delivering the child from hell. You know what I believe with all my heart? One of the desires I've had for my kids is that the first time, number one, that God ever speaks to them about being saved, I wanted them to get saved. Amen? I want them to follow the Lord. And I want them for the rest of their lives to know, okay, Lord, You said to do this. That's what I'm going to do. And, and I think that it's key that our children need to learn because, remember, God says He's our Father. Why did God say that? Because fathers, we model what it, we model, God. We are to reflect God. We are not God, but what, but, but but on this earth, we are, are the authority that the kids see. And so, what we need to do, parents, mothers, and dads, is we need to make sure that. Yeah, I said to do this. I'm not just saying words. This isn't optional. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not making stuff up. I'm not just saying this for fun. Uh, God wants to bless us, amen? And He wants to bless you as a Christian young person. And that kind of leads into the next part where I was saying right there. uh, And I'll just say this quickly too because it applies back kind of to parents. Children need to learn early to obey their father and their mothers. Not only because they are His parents, but because God has commanded us to do so. Disobedience to parents is rebellion against God. The Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. The sad situations in homes today is that the result of rejecting God's Word. By nature, a child, and we are all selfish by nature, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, a child can learn to obey his parents and glorify God. But that's where we come in. Notice what it says here in verse 4, and I'll try to give these to you quickly here. And ye fathers. I want us to just pause right there and say this. The problem with our society is not the kids. You look around and you see the kids. And I said it the other week about, you know, we talked about uh, you know, arrows in the hands of the mighty man and, and, and helping our kids hit the mark or ensuring that our kids hit the mark. Um, it's, you know, there, there used to be the term you used to hear a lot more juvenile delinquents. It's not the, the problem of juvenile delinquents. It's delinquent and absent fathers. One of the greatest problems plaguing our land and mothers as well. But he's addressing fathers in particular right here. If left to themselves, children will be rebels. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, A child left to himself bringeth his mother much shame. So it's necessary for parents to train their children. Years ago, the Duke of Windsor said, Everything in the American home is controlled by switches except the children. Everything in the American home is controlled by switches except the children. Of course, he was speaking to discipline there. The Bible records the sad results of parents neglecting their children, either by being bad examples or failing to discipline them properly. David pampered Absalom and set him a bad example, and the results were tragic. Eli failed to discipline his sons, and they brought disgrace to his name and to the name of the nation of Israel and to God. Even Isaac, of course, pampered Esau. Rebekah showed favoritism to uh, Jacob. I mean, uh, it was just a, a, a sad situation. And so it gives a couple instructions to fathers pertaining to their children. Number one, he says that fathers are not to provoke their children. They're not to provoke their children. In Paul's day, this is crazy, man. Not only in Rome, but in many ancient societies, what I'm about to tell you is true. The fathers had supreme authority over the family. When a baby was born into a Roman family, it was brought and laid before the father. If he picked it up, it meant he was accepting it into the home. But if he did not pick it up, it meant the child was rejected And it could be sold, given away, or was a very common practice. They would just leave the baby out there to die on its own of exposure. Very common in Roman society. Very common in many ancient cultures. By the way, I want to tell you something. Jesus and the Bible changed that. People try to fuss about what the Bible has to say about the home. If it wasn't for this Bible, folks... Uh, society would be in, in, in a worse wreck than we can even imagine. Before you study ancient history and you study what was going on during that time. But anyway, so uh, no doubt a father's love would overcome his monstrous acts. You would hope that hope this, but those were legal and not uncommon in that day. Now. That's ridiculous. But remember, he's writing to people in a Roman culture. And he's just saying this. Don't use your authority to abuse your child, but encourage your child. Lift up your child. Encourage that child. To the Colossians he wrote, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So what does it mean to provoke? Well, Sometimes you can get just by looking at the opposite word. The opposite of provoke is to encourage. Don't provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke your children to wrath. But encourage them. Fathers provoke their children and discourage them by saying one thing and doing another. Fathers can provoke their kids by always blaming and never praising. Now, depending on your type of temperament and personality... You may have trouble with, you know, I I think over the last uh, couple decades especially, in teaching and any type of instruction, you know, you're often taught, hey, be sure that you find something to compliment them on first. Find something to uh, praise about what they're doing uh, and then give the rebuke. Now that's going crazy because I'm not going to get into that because... like in some of the daycare laws now, they're actually taught within the daycares. You know, like if the kids uh, throwing stuff at other kids, you know, to go and say, "Oh, honey, don't throw that. Throw this instead." You can't, You're not supposed to use words like "no" or "stop" or these kinds. Of, those are negative words. Uh, we have some. We have some people people that work in daycare, and here it's just a trip. So that obviously goes a little bit far. Uh, but but where does that model come from? I tell you, it comes from the Bible. Go look at the seven churches that Jesus had to rebuke. Every time He said, Man, I want to tell you how much I appreciate what God's doing in your life in this situation. I want to tell you how much of a blessing I appreciate that. But now I do have somewhat against thee. I do have something I need to bring up here. The Apostle Paul, as he goes through, he tries to praise and give credit to, these, uh, to, to the churches. And then he goes in with the rebuke. Because for some of you, I know that can sound uh, cheesy and whatever else to be just like, hey, you're doing this well, uh, but this is something that you can improve on. But I'm telling you, I believe that the model comes from the Bible. And so fathers, don't just always go around telling them what they're doing wrong and blaming them, but give some praise. So another way that we can provoke our kids to wrath is by being inconsistent. Inconsistent and unfair in discipline. By showing favoritism in the home. By making promises and not keeping them dads moms let me tell you something i've learned this but i'm still learning it because you're looking at somebody here i'm preaching and my kids are here so i can't get up here and act perfect uh but i've learned one thing if we tell our kids maybe can we go do this you know probably they're like yes and you, that may not seem fair but uh man i try to find a way to say probably not and then hope that we can or just say yes but, but definitely if we say, you know what, we're going to go do this. And then we just, for no good reason, don't do it. That can provoke kids to wrath. Uh, I, let me tell you something else, parents. Dads especially, that's what he's addressing here. Making light of the kids' problems. Making light of the kids' problems. From our perspective, it may seem ridiculous that one of our kids, that, that an eight year old kid, and I'm just throwing out, I don't have eight year old kids, so you can't think I'm talking about one of mine, because I'm really just talking generalities here, but that an eight year old kid would be so sad and heartbroken over some girl or some boy. Please. You don't even know what love is yet. Would you shut up? Just quit being, what are you doing? See, don't be a little, don't make light of struggles that kids have. Because to them it is a big deal. Don't 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 berate them. Don't mock them. Because it is a big deal to them. Try to be sympathetic. Try to remember they are not a forty-year-old man like you. Therefore, they do not see it through your eyes. They're a kid, and they need somebody to try to show some compassion. But we can provoke our kids to wrath whenever we are uh, making light of their problems. So we need to know that it doesn't matter about their problem. What matters is that kid. And we want to be there to encourage that kid and to help that kid. Now that doesn't mean that we can't try to help help balance their perspective a little bit. But it's it's the way we go about doing it. Don't berate. Don't mock. Come in and say, I want you to see. I know this is a big deal right now, but I want you to say, you know, God's bigger. And God's got a plan. And, you know, you come in and try to help them. I'm not saying that you uh, just coddle everything, but you try to help them. But I'm telling you one thing, parents. If we are going to prevent pr- provoking our kids, it's going to take the Holy Spirit of God's help, isn't it? Flying off the handle. Uh, man, I tell you, I, I, it, you, know, by God's help, we need to not provoke our kids to wrath. Losing our tempers at our kids. Uh, justifying our temper. I tell you, we need to learn how to apologize. And get things right with our kids. Well, they made me mad. Let me change my voice. They made me mad. So I can do a fit and go crazy if I want to. (laughs) I thought you was 40, not 4, bub. Model some behavior there. Come and say, you know what? I just acted like a big, fat, meanie jerk. (laughs) Meanie's a good mature word. Uh, I just acted like a jerk. And I'm sorry. Evan will often say, oh, it's okay, Dad. I don't care. I was like, no, it's not okay. It's not okay. And so, uh, God God help us to be humble because I'll tell you one thing. We are going to drop the ball sometimes, but when we do, we need to get it right. Amen? All right. So, uh, quickly. So, not only that, so we must not provoke them, but also the Bible says the father must nurture their children. The Bible says, bring them up. Notice what it says here with me. Verse 4 And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Alright, so quickly nurture them. That, that simply means this. Bring them up. It's the same word that means nourish. in Ephesians 5.29. When the Bible says husbands are nourishing their wives, they nourish their children. The Christian husband is to share love and encouragement in the Lord. It's not just talking about nurturing physically as far as providing food and shelter and clothing. And man, God help our men. And boys, let me tell you something. Be a provider, amen? Be a worker. Take some pride. Take some responsibility. Uh, I mean, don't be always trying to live off of somebody and mooch off of somebody. I mean, uh, take some responsibility. Try to do something. Learn to work. And and, and you say, well, my dad's not teaching me with that. Well, God will teach you that, amen? Follow what God's telling you to do. And it'll be a blessing. But it's not only just providing shelter and clothing, but He must also nurture them emotionally and spiritually. The development of Jesus is an example. The Bible says in Luke 2, 2.52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Here's a balanced growth, intellectual, physical, spiritual, and social. Nowhere in the Bible is the training of a, of a child assigned to agencies outside the home. We need a good church. We need good preaching. We need good teachers. But man, the the parents that I have met that think that's what it took. I brought my kids to church. Now I'm I'm not picking on anybody that's in any kind of situation. What I'm doing is I'm preaching to people whose kids are still at home and still have the possibility even for you and your grandchildren. Well, I brought them to church. I don't know what happened. The preacher didn't do a good job raising them. The Sunday schools didn't do a good job teaching them. No, it's not their job. It is their job when they come here, but it's not this church's job. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job to raise my kids. It's mine. It's mine. And I've got to embrace that. And we need to have a good church that's got good ministries, and I'm glad that we've got that, and they're growing and everything. But you understand what I'm saying. It's not up to other people. It's up to us. And so we must nurture them. Also, we must discipline them. The word nurture also carries with it the idea of learning through discipline. It's translated chastening in Hebrews 12. Uh, chastening. Some modern psychologists oppose uh, discipline, and I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about discipline. Uh, and many educators educators often follow that philosophy. Uh, let the children express themselves. Uh, they tell us if you discipline them, you will warp their characters. I'm telling you, I think you see the opposite of that. Um, Discipline is a basic principle of life and an evidence of love. The Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. And scourgeth every son that he receiveth. Um, And so, we must be sure that when we discipline our children that it's done in the right manner. To begin with, we must discipline in love and not in anger. You know, you read about just parents going off and slinging stuff everywhere. And some of us grew up like that, you know. And I can remember I had a, I had a neighbor. And I'm telling you, it, it's, it, it, I thought it was kind of funny when I was a kid. But looking back, I mean, it's just flat-out abuse. His mom would chase him out of the house, beating him with shoes and belts and everything else. Uh, just crazy and out of control. I felt so sorry for that guy. Um, that's not any kind of... That's child abuse, man. Alright? But what we're talking about here is the fact that any kind of godly discipline, for one thing, is carried out in love and not in anger. Number two, I'll say this, that it's also meant... It's not about, it's not about um, punishing, being punished. It's about being corrected. You're trying to get your kids on the right path. It's about correction. Um, and so... Uh, you don't want to injure the body or the uh, or the spirit of the child, but I'm telling you, it really is our jobs to help break the will of that child. And flying off the handle has never made any, uh, never made a child better or never made a better parent. Also, discipline must be fair and consistent. Consistent, loving discipline gives assurance to the child uh, that, uh, that he may not agree with, but one day they'll appreciate it. I'm telling you, kids need discipline. Kids need to know that there's a line and they aren't to cross it. And then he must instruct and encourage them. This is the meaning of the word admonish. And I'm closing with this. The father and mother not only use actions to raise the child, but they use words. I like what the Bible says, uh, Deuteronomy chapter six verses five through nine and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine what's it say? Heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of the house of thy gates. The book of Proverbs, for example, we have an inspired account of a father sharing wise counsel with his son. By the way, his 14-year-old son his 14-year-old son, that he expected to be able to follow these precepts. He had, he had expectations. Our children do not always appreciate our counsel, but that does not eliminate the obligation we have to instruct and encourage them. Uh, and instruction must be always tied to the Word of God. And so I know that my kids may not always appreciate, you know, I like to lecture, can you tell? Ah, uh, thank you. And I really try to reel it in. If I lectured as much as I wanted to lecture, kids, it would be worse than it is now. Amen? But I'm trying to reason. I'm trying to give understanding, you know. Uh, and, and I may go overboard, but the fact is, it may not always be appreciated. But by God's grace, I don't know about you, Father, but I want to be able to stand before God one day and say, I did what you told me to do, Lord. Now, we may not do that perfectly, but the idea is, is that's, the, that's, the, that's the pattern of my life. I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to bring my kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, trying to, uh, trying to love and appreciate my wife, trying to raise my kids upright for the glory and honor of God. And I'm telling you, God will bless it. Amen.